This is First Down Dynasty, right here on the Sports Ethos Network. Welcome back to another edition of First Down Dynasty, right here wherever you decide to listen on the Sports Ethos Network. I am your host, I am the Krav, a.k.a. Eric Kravit, a.k.a. Undefeated, because Will couldn't beat me in one of the leagues that matters most. Speaking of Will, he's our other host on the other side of the internet, on the other side of the highway in multiple county lines. Will, how's your week going? Uh, if it was possible, like if we didn't have a podcast and we're talking about fantasy football week in, week out, I would say I'd rather not talk about fantasy football for this week because any league that I had hope in there's one league still holding out a little bit of hope but all my other leagues they're just hurt just the, the, the leagues my teams in all my leagues are damaged goods and in week seven I'm almost tapping out of just about every can you feel the pain behind this voice like my team's Every major injury that has occurred in the past two weeks has been on my teams. I mean, that's what happens when you have a lot of teams. I somehow knock on every piece of wood furniture in my house. am not suffering that fate quite yet, but when you have as many teams as I do, it's bound to happen. It's also bound uh, to happen that you follow us on X at FDD underscore ethos or at BNK radio. We're, we, are, we are on the Zuckerberg site, but, you know, nobody really is on there anymore unless you want to see pictures of your aunts and uncles. It was a bad week, like Will was talking about, and just in terms of injury, because boy, oh boy, there are a lot of bad ones out there. And uh, the one that nobody wanted to see, the one that everybody was holding their breath wouldn't happen two years in a row. The best running back in football, regardless of what some uh, dumb Floridians might think. Justin Fields, right? Uh, I mean, dumb Floridians might not like Justin Fields. I did call this guy a running back, but technically you can say Justin Fields is a running back. So you're not too far off in your basis. But uh, I'm not talking about him. Um, I'm talking about Christian McCaffrey with an oblique injury suffered in the Cleveland Browns game partially uh, contributing to the first loss for the 49ers this year to the Cleveland Browns. And not only did they lose McCaffrey, the 49ers also lost Debo Samuel and Trent Williams, which will affect the entire offense in San Francisco. The good news is they play Monday. So it's possible that all three guys, CMC, Trent Williams, and Debo Samuel do suit up for that game, but will. To lose to the Cleveland Browns, to be the class of the NFC, the class of the NFL, to lose McCaffrey, to lose Debo, and to lose Trent. I don't want to say not to trust the 49ers offense because it's still one of the best, if not the best, in the entire NFL. But does it take a hit? Can you still trust CMC to be that guy, Debo to be that guy when healthy, especially if Trent is still out? Like, What do you make of that situation? I mean, San Francisco is one of the best, if not the best offenses in the league, just because they have so many different weapons that could do it. If they're all out there healthy, it's run smooth. 
Trent Williams is one piece of that line. Obviously, he's a very big and very important piece, but they will survive without him. But you have a damaged Debo, a damaged CMC, a damaged line. And the only thing going through my mind during that game is where the hell was George Kittle? I mean, you saw a little bit of Ayuk. George Kittle kind of had a dud day after a few uh, very, very good weeks. And I just, with all those weapons being out, I don't understand where the hell George Kittle went. Ultimately, they will be okay. But a damaged or injured CMC, something like an oblique is something that you can easily make worse and may not go away if you don't let him rest. So I think they're going to have to protect CMC from himself and keep him out for a few weeks. We're talking week seven right now. If you hold him out, the next two weeks you get to your bye week and you give them almost a month off, which should be good enough for an oblique injury. You're looking at the conference championship. You're not looking at the games over the next few weeks. I think Debo, it's apparently much less serious CMC. I don't think you want to take the risk with he's obviously light years better than their replacements, but the replacements are good enough to hold out for two weeks without him in Jordan Mason and Elijah Mitchell. So I I think CMC should be held out. I think you'll see the rest of them, you know, up and at them pretty soon. Another running back for one of the best teams in football also suffered an oblique rib area injury. And he's very, I know, listen, I was just about to say, he's very near and dear to you. Because in our redraft league that matters most, he is the anchor to the ship that is the SS Canova but this is the second time in as many months that David Montgomery is expected to miss more than one week of playing time. And the Lions have been so good that it doesn't really matter who they have back there. They lost to the Seahawks in overtime, but other than that, they've won every game they've played so far. And I've been saying it for a very long time. Jared Goff is a top three quarterback in the NFC. And he's not number three. I'll give you Jalen Hurts as, as as number one. Give me number two. Who's the second best quarterback in the NFC right now? I'm just trying to think what the odds would be if you could bet like four years ago that the answer to that question would be Jared Goff. Right? You'd probably be a millionaire. I, I mean, uh, he, he was in the NFC before. He didn't change conferences. But you're, you're talking Jalen Hurts. Yeah. You're talking possibly Brock Purdy just based on his season numbers. I guess. But outside of those two, the only other quarterback that's really even in that conversation is pretty much Matthew Stafford just on reputation. Yeah. And people you know, want to give really it. People want to give Dak the benefit of the doubt, but he he can't, you can't like, it's not something that he's earned. I, 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 I definitely think, Right now, I'd probably put him number two behind Jalen Hurts in the NFC, followed by Brock Purdy at number three, and then Matt Stafford at four. He'd probably be my top four. I cannot tell you how happy I am and what music that brings to my ears that Jared Goff, Lion Gosling, is finally getting the respect he deserves. I have been a proponent for a very long time. We'll see what he does this week, however, without David Montgomery. That's going to be a bit of an issue because they're playing a very, very, very tough defense in the Baltimore Ravens at home. 
Baltimore is giving up three, so it's going to be a push. That, 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 that's a pick em game. I don't know if the Lions have enough to overcome it. Jameer Gibbs, we'll talk about him in depth a little bit later on in the show. But he hasn't really lived up to the hype that we thought we were going to get from him. Amon Ra has been great. Josh Reynolds has been a revelation with Jamison Williams slowly making his way back. He caught a nice touchdown this past weekend. The offensive line is great. And the Detroit Lions defense has been playing lights out, led by Jack Campbell, who might end up being a defensive player of the year candidate. Yeah, I said it. It's only week seven, but I'm going to stand by it until I'm proven wrong. Yeah, I mean, Aiden Hutchinson is also just a monster. Disgusting. That's also who I meant to say. In Aiden Hutchinson, not Jack Campbell. He's the rookie. He's playing well. But He's playing is, well. Is Aiden Hutchinson. 100% Aiden Hutchinson. <laughs> Let's move down the list of injuries, though. We have a trio of quarterbacks, a, a lot of quartet, of, uh, a quintet of quarterbacks who got hurt over the course of this weekend. Trevor Lawrence is expecting to play on Thursday in New Orleans, though, but we'll keep an eye on that. He's got a knee. He was on the practice field with a compression sleeve on that knee, so it looks like as if he's going to do his best to play. And God knows the Jaguars need it. They had a good game against Indianapolis, but they need Lawrence to continue to get better he hasn't looked the same this year will and we both were riding huge on that trevor lawrence train we know why right it's nothing but a slam jam no not <gasps> one of these days it's going to be the answer to the we, question you want to know why all... well with that that already happened like two years ago <sighs> come on so we gotta be it'll happen again at some point but it's because i drafted him so you're so you're saying that uh will is new eugene yeah, basically Italy, that, that Italy seems... is the new Uzbekistan, is what you're saying. That's what you're well, telling me. You see my team, right? Tell, I'm un, unfortunately, you see the, the data is there. The evidence is on my roster right now. So you know what? That, that might be the case. We'll, we'll post the team to X at FDD underscore ethos. This is a dynasty podcast, but obviously we are in redraft leagues. We'll post it to the X account, and we'll let you guys, the listeners, let us know, is Will really as hopeless as he's making it sound? Or can he scratch and claw and trade with Kravit his way out of it? I don't know. We'll see well, what that's happens. That's not going to happen. Either. We'll see what happens. Um, outside of Trevor Lawrence, Baker Mayfield got hurt. Justin Fields tore a ligament on his throwing thumb, which means he's going to be out for quite some time. Wait a minute. Now, we, I joked about the running back before, but Justin Fields can't throw, so we can't play quarterback. But with all their running back injuries, would it not make sense to tape that thumb up and literally use him as a running back? He turns the ball over enough as it is. I don't think they would trust the ball in his hands to carry it 20 times a game out of the backfield. I don't, I don't know to say 20, but you could do some kind of Taysom Hilly things. Listen, you're going to have Tyson Bagnet, who we're going to talk about later, who's a literal oh rap god. They're gonna they're gonna have to run the ball 35, 40 times a game. I don't know. They're gonna bring back Nathan Peterman. Listen, the Peterman project will never, ever, ever, ever die. I, I will stand by that, and I'm not upset about it. I am upset about Jimmy G though. He suffered a back injury. There's a rumor he's gonna be out for a little bit. Um, that really sinks uh, a lot of a lot of good things that were happening in Vegas for a little bit. Uh, Michael Meyer the rookie tight end that they drafted in the second round. He's been emerging as uh, somebody over the past couple of weeks. He started 
he started the year at only a 30% um, uh, snap share rate. He's all the way up to 67% in week seven. So he's already doubled the amount of times he's on the field. Jacoby Myers has been insane, legitimately insane over the course of the first seven weeks of the season. And he's also missed a week and he still finds himself in the top 20 wide receivers. An incredible value pick. People got much later on in the drafts than they thought they would. Devontae Adams is still a mantra. Josh Jacobs hasn't really gotten going that much either. So Jimmy Garoppolo has sort of been the driving force behind the Raiders. And with him gone, you do have Brian Hoyer. You do have Aiden O'Connell. But I don't trust any, I don't trust either of them as much as I trust Jimmy G. And it looks like he's going to be out for a little bit. How does the lack of Jimmy G, his absence, affect the Raiders moving forward? Jimmy G's a game manager. I don't really think Hoyer is going to get the start. I think they're going to go back to O'Connell. Maybe they go, um, I'm not sure. I mean, the kid did okay. Not great. Maybe they go with Hoyer. But either way, it doesn't bode well for Myers or Adams. It does bode well for Josh Jacobs. Kind of just probably run the ball 55% of the time as opposed to throwing it more. And, you know, overall, the Raiders are surprised three and three, just like our New York Jets. Hey, um, but, you know, I really don't think this is going to be good, especially if as someone that knows back injuries, if he's out for like a month, this offense is going to be very, very, very bad. So they're going to have to rely on Jacobs. This is probably going to be the one of the worst offenses with that much talent around them because I don't have faith in Hoyer or this kid yet to think that they're going to get anything done. But things can change. It's just unfortunate. Who's in a worse spot? The Raiders without Jimmy Garoppolo or the Titans without Ryan Tannehill? Because we got to look at what Malik Willis would look like as a starting quarterback this past weekend. It wasn't pretty. It did not look good. I mean... Ryan Tannehill wasn't necessarily looking great before him either. And somehow I have a doubting suspicion that Will Levis wouldn't look great either. Uh, it's hard coming in for a quarterback like mid-game when he gets hurt. So I would say I would give the kid a shot if after the bye. Luckily, they're going into their bye. So they do have about two weeks for Tannehill's ankle to heal up. So those injuries are about two to four weeks, so we will see. But I think, yeah, I mean, their offense was pretty bad beforehand, and now it's just going to be non-existent. They're definitely worse off because at least the Raiders have Adams, Myers, um, and Jacobs. I guess. Um, it's been really bad for Tennessee like to the <laughs> point like Derrick Henry has we'll talk about him later but he hasn't looked all that great DeAndre Hopkins is probably kicking himself in the face every single day when he wakes up because he ended up going to a garbage situation in the Tennessee Titans Traylon Burks can't get on the field to save his life one of my draft picks I mean you dropped him already like come on like that's not a reason to be down on yourself Traylon Burks isn't going to make or break your team not anyone I drafted this year, doomed. I mean, you could have taken Jacoby Myers, but you didn't. We'll move on. We'll move on. We'll move on. Wait, we'll move on. Let's put it. I took Garrett. He didn't get hurt, but what did happen? Yeah, we know. But, no, Garrett's been coming back. Garrett's had really nice weeks the past three weeks. Yes, but what was he supposed to be? Significantly better. But he's look, listen. 
I mean, we're 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 going to get to the Jets later because you were at the game this past week, and I got to you know hear about that you know from the horse's mouth. But Garrett's been pretty good ever ever since. No, he the has he game. has been he, he he has been he's been getting you know peppered with targets a lot better, and Zach's actually been able to get him the ball. Yeah, I'm not mad at that at all. Since you brought it up, I will say the takeaway from that game, seeing it up close, Jalen Hurts when forced to throw the ball and not have a running game or not be running himself is not that good. Ooh, seeing a... it up close, he's really not that impressive. We'll, 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 we'll get into that a little bit later. We need to talk about Kyron Williams and Ronnie Rivers and potentially missing this upcoming uh, slate of games against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Rams are at home playing the Steelers, possibly without Kyron and Ronnie Will- Ronnie Rivers. So are you going to go pick up Zach Evans? Are you going to do that? Are you going to potentially look into Leonard Fournette, who is supposedly ready to come back? I mean, he's been ready for three months yeah. and no team has picked him. I, I mean, these injuries are mounting up like crazy, though. Yeah. So- uh, Zach Evans, overall, good pick. This week, not so much. Don't like it. Don't like the Steeler matchup. And, you know, in two weeks, Kyron could be back. Uh, Ronnie Rivers is going to be out more. But I feel like almost this game, they may run the ball five times. But I feel like CMC, uh, not CMC, Cooper Cup is going to have like 15 catches. And Puka is going to have a 12. And two, uh, Tutu Atwell is going to have like eight. They're just going to throw the ball 10,000 times. They may not, you know, complete most of them. But they're going to throw the ball a lot. I really don't think down to your third and fourth running back options that they're going to really get used all that much. I don't blame you. I think Zach Evans is a really good pickup. I also think uh, Damian Williams, the league winner of leagues past, well, that's five years ago already. Can you believe it? Five years ago, Damian Williams actually looked like a decent running back with Arizona this past weekend. How about that, Will? What do you think? Should I think his time is past. Ultimately, don't you dare! Don't you? I'm sorry. Freaking dare! The problem is, Keontae Ingram was okay. He was coming off an injury. He was the leader of the backfield, and uh, Demarcado, no, not didn't didn't really do too much with his opportunities, and was one of the hot pickups last week. So I definitely think if Connor's still at an extended term, he's definitely going to be a good spellback, a good got to get into some open space maybe but he's not going to be the lead back filling in for Connor. So I don't think he's he is what he lead is. back. But he 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 looked okay. He was able to carry the ball eight times. He caught a pass also. He's not going to win you a week. He's not going to win you a league. Sorry league winning Damian Williams, but he's not somebody who will ruin your week. Um Elijah Mitchell and Jordan Mason if and if giant if Christian McCaffrey cannot go Monday night against the Vikings would be in smash spots, smash spots, like top 15 running back potential for whoever ends up being the person to carry the ball the most. And the way that everything was leaning, it looks like it's going to be Elijah Mitchell based on what coach said earlier today. Um, I don't know. the, The unfortunate part is I do not trust the word that comes out of his mouth. Because we heard for months that CMC's workload's going to decrease. We're going to mix everyone in. That didn't happen. In fact, it was the exact opposite. That's why I took Jamar Chase over CMC in a draft, because that's what we were hearing. But 
based on what I saw, obviously Mitchell was dealing with his own injuries. He may be better in the next two weeks over even this past week. He got himself. But I think I like what I saw from Jordan Mason, and I think he's going to be the guy to own out of the two. Maybe. I don't. I, I don't know who it's going to be out of the two of them. I do know that this past weekend for the Browns against the Niners, Cream Hunt looked pretty goddamn good. Turn back the clock a couple of years, Will, and I know you don't want to hear it because I know Kareem Hunt and Jerome Ford are are, are thorns in your side. You don't want to hear it, but it's got to be said. Well, no, it's 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 frustrating more than anything. But Jerome Ford still had 85 rushing yards and caught a couple of passes as well. But Kareem uh, Hunt was the one that got the touchdown. I mean, Jer- Jerome Ford was stuffed through the first three quarters of that game. He got rolling finally in the fourth quarter. But Kareem Hunt had the same amount of catches as david and joku did he i mean he only had three and jerome Ford three? caught two <laughs> like yeah he still That's... had he still had three targets jerome ford only had the two yeah and and, and of course it's a pj walker game so everything is going to be skewed a little bit as it is but kareem hunt when he had the ball he didn't look terrible no and, uh, and, and, that's and the, why and the 49ers are a great defense they are but luckily the one team i have jerome ford on i also have kareem hunt See, look at uh, you. So everything, tur- everything turning up well. Case. Everything but turning up well. I, I, I definitely think you know their plan going forward could very well be the old Chubb and Hunts, you know, combo just swap Ford and for Chubb. So they may be getting back to the point coming out of the bye that you know Kareem is going to re- retain his old workload and Chubb's is going to Ford, but that's still like a 60, 40, 65, 35 split, not the 80 or 85% that Ford has been getting the last three weeks. You could also do yourself a favor, get in the time machine back to, I don't know, 2013. Look into one of the greatest wide receivers to ever lace up a pair of cleats. His name is Julio Jones, because today, day of recording, he signed a one-year deal with the Philadelphia Eagles in Alabama led offense if ever there was one. Do you think Julio is actually going to be fi- uh, dynasty relevant, fantasy football relevant in general? Because honestly, I don't. I think no, is, I, don't. I think it's just fun to mention him. I just think it's fun to mention him. When you have a guy like his talent, you always want to believe. But if the last few years in Tennessee and Tampa Bay showed you anything, he can't stay healthy. And he's lost that burst that was able to get him downfield. So he's a big body, potential possession receiver, can probably um, get a few catches above some smaller corners and whatnot, but he's he's not replacing the top three options, which are, you know, Goddard, AJ, and Devonta Smith. So I really don't see much of a space for him, and then you put Swift ahead of him too. Like, I don't really see where the impact comes from. That's fair. We also mentioned um, Tyson Bagnon and Brandon Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell to replace Jimmy Garoppolo or Justin Fields. We're not even going to bother mentioning Malik Willis or uh, w- w- what's the rookie's name? His, his Will Levis. Name? Yeah, Will Levis. Sorry, I had a brain fart there for a second. Um, we're not even going to mention them because that offense is going to be garbage. At least Chicago and Vegas has some sort of a life. Uh, you're going to have to drop people to pick these guys up, and it doesn't start any hotter any with any more fire even though last week will said not to it i'm gonna make him eat those words will dalvin cook only had nine snaps on sunday 
Can you drop him now? You can. <gasps> Especially if you need to pick up one of these other guys that's more important. Like, if you need to pick up an Elijah Mitchell or Jordan Mason, if they're available, you can drop Dalvin Cook. If you want to pick up a Fournette due to possibilities, you could drop Dalvin Cook. That's perfect. Yeah. That makes me so happy. You could also drop down to Foreman. It looks like Roshan Johnson might be able to come back from the concussion protocol this week. And I'm willing to bet that he's going to see the lion's share of the um, backfield chairs. I just don't think that Dalton Foreman is going to be a factor moving forward. He was a healthy scratch for three weeks straight. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happens again. Joshua Kelly, also not that good. 100% droppable, correct? Yeah, I mean, now that Eckler's back, obviously the risk of injury is still there. But the fact that he really didn't get anything going without him, if he's there, I think he had like one or two significant plays in the game on Monday night. And that offense is going to look a lot better moving forward. But it, Josh Kelly's role, it's almost non-existent, even if Eckler's not healthy. So definitely nothing there. And... There's a few Justins to talk about. I'm a big Justin guy. I'm a big Justin Timberlake guy. I am a big Justin Ross guy, and I'm a big Justin Watson guy. Two of the three of those guys are Kansas City Chiefs receivers. I'll let you figure out who the odd man out is. But Justin Watson hurt his elbow. He's an IR candidate. He's going to be out for a while, and he was really the the long ball deep thread, the person they wanted MVS to be, and it just never really ended up happening for him. And then Justin Ross had a great college career. He got hurt. He was supposed to try to make his way back last year. Didn't happen this year. He hasn't been able to see the field much at all. He was a preseason darling, but we've been seeing a lot of preseason darlings or just that they're doing nothing in the regular season this year. Absolutely nothing. If you could only drop one of these guys, will. Justin Ross or Justin Watson, which one are you dropping? Obviously Watson because he's not healthy. Um, if you had, if you could stash him in your dynasty, if you got enough IR spots, you got no other major injuries, you can keep him. Otherwise, I would definitely drop him. Justin Ross with the Watson injury has a shot to actually see the field. It's the kind of thing where the more you watch, the more you question the decision making. I don't know what Justin Ross looks like, but I, you know, obviously not in game, but I'd like to see it because I know what MVS is and I know what MVS isn't. And unfortunately, as we were talking earlier, we're starting to wonder if Sky Moore fits into that category as well. And we as Jet fans see guys that have limited use based on the current team situation. And I question why am I watching Randall Cobb when I know what Miko Hardman can bring or I know what some of the undrafted rookies can bring as far as you know speed and and just why do i keep running out the same people when i have younger guys that have more talent than these veterans but the veterans are getting the play i think it's just being safe and coaches playing the guys that they know what they are and I feel like later on in the year, if these teams aren't playoff teams, I mean, obviously the Chiefs are going to be a playoff team. But if the Jets aren't a playoff team, you might see less Randall Cobb, more Brownlee, more Gibson, more guys that you don't necessarily see right now. I would have said Hardman, but he's a trade candidate. I don't think he's going to be on the team for very much longer. Do you agree with that sentiment, Will? 
could be good somewhere else for sure. Uh, yeah. But there's a lot of teams that need receivers right now. Yeah. Um. Uh, one team that doesn't need a wide receiver is the Los Angeles Rams because they hit on the most over for overperforming, over delivering rookie of all time. At least he's right up there, but especially before the Cooper Cup reemergence, Pukunakua was taking fantasy football leagues by storm early on in the season. And what we're going to do now is talk about Puka and a lot of guys who have over delivered on what we thought they would be based on their ADP. We have a list of about 10 guys. I want to talk about three each. So we will have to like pick and choose. Um, but Puka Nakua will, I know you have him places. I only have him in yes. the one and I'm trying to get rid of him. Um, what made you take the flyer on Puka? And obviously, you're thrilled with his production, but with Cooper Cup coming back and commanding 10 targets last weekend, do you think you dare move Puka Nakua? No, because I think Puka's a different receiver than Cup. And Cup is arguably the best receiver in the league, once again. And obviously, he's going to command a big share of the targets now that he's back, but there was no number two receiver to start the year. You had Tutu Atwell, who's a nice player, and obviously we know Van Jefferson is not good enough that got traded to another team and is now not really even a big part of that team because all of a sudden Desmond Ritter decided to throw the ball around and everyone's coming back to life. We'll talk about that later. But there was no number two option behind Cooper Cup when he is healthy and Puka still fits that role a different type of receiver, a possession receiver, a big body, a guy that can also help in the red zone. So while the targets are not going to be the same, he's definitely not having another 15 catch game, which was ridiculous. But I do see him being able to get, you know, five to eight catches a game, put up solid yards. And I still think in the red zone, he's almost as big, if not a bigger threat than Cup because of his size. All right. Okay. I'm also a big Pukunikua guy. I want to make that clear. Um, I think he's taken over the role that Tyler Higby was supposed to take over. A lot of people were hyping up Tyler Higby to have a pretty good season coming in because Cooper Cup obviously started the year hurt. He ended up starting on the IR. People didn't know that. The running game was a mess at the beginning of the year. It's still a mess now, especially with all the injuries. But when Cam Akers was in that backfield, nobody knew it was going to happen. So a lot of people thought Tyler Higby would be the person to pick up the slack while Cup was gone. Obviously, Puka Nakua fits that bill. Another wide receiver that nobody thought would be nearly as good as they've been, especially me, because I've been trying desperately, desperately to get rid of him in a tanking league. I want nothing to do with him but I cannot seem to shake him away. Will, if I told you before the season started, going into week seven, Adam Thielen would be the wide receiver three on the entire season, on the entire season, ahead of guys like Jamar Chase, Stephen Diggs, Devontae Adams, ahead of all these guys, which hospital would you have had me committed to? Um, North Shore. Yep, definitely North Shore. But Adam Thielen has always been a talented receiver. 
the problem the last few years in Minnesota is injuries. Going to a team with a rookie quarterback. Now he's good. He is the number one option here. There was no more Stefan Diggs and there was no more Justin Jefferson. So he is the guy in Carolina and you're seeing what he's capable of. The problem with trusting Adam Thielen is, is he going to finish the season? And that's, you know, one of the big questions. If he does, he's very capable. And this is really the first time in a very long time. He was always a good receiver, but it was always either kind of like one a or number two, because there was always another very, very talented receiver. This is what he's capable of when he is the guy and the other options just aren't ready to help out. So it's absolutely insane. I don't think anyone predicted it was going to be like this because of the rookie quarterback situation, but he's showing he's still there. And if he's healthy, he's going to put up crazy numbers. He had a really bad game against Atlanta week one. Horrendous. Only two targets, 12 yards. That's it. And that's the rookie effect, right? Mm -hmm. His worst game since then was against Minnesota where he caught seven balls for 76 yards. 90% 90% snap share. He almost had a 100% snap share against Detroit. 11 catches, 107 yards, and a touchdown. Against Miami, 11 catches, 115 yards, and a touchdown. He has four touchdowns on the season already. It's only week seven. The Panthers are on a bye this week, so obviously he's not going to add to those numbers. But Adam Thielen went largely, I don't want to say undrafted, but he was a round 13, 14 guy for a lot of people in redrafts. In dynasties, I could tell you, in startups, he didn't even sniff being picked. He didn't even sniff it whatsoever. And the fact that he's doing this with a rookie quarterback on a team that drafted Jonathan Mingo, Terrace Marshall was supposed to step up. They they had Miles Sanders, who we're going to talk about in just a little bit. Believe you me, he was supposed to be somebody catching balls out of the backfield, but old reliable Adam Thielen and the poetic justice part about it. How badly could Minnesota use a guy like Adam Thielen right now? Yeah, go figure. Well, you know, they invested a high draft pick as well. They still had KJ Osborne. So, um, although I think they brought in a tight end Oliver for roughly the same amount of money that Thielen signed. Yeah, that, that, that's I, what I, it was. I don't know. That's what it was. Um, the fact that they <laughs> traded for Hawkinson and still brought back uh, Oliver is insane. I, I have no idea. I but, couldn't tell you. Kravit, I will tell you, for dynasty purposes especially, C.J. Stroud was the third quarterback taken in most dynasty drafts this past year and pretty much went undrafted in redrafts. C.J. Stroud has by far been the best rookie quarterback. Now, obviously, Richardson has been out due to injury, but that factors in. A guy with Richardson's skill set, you knew he was going to be a runner, and he just so far has shown that he's not durable. Bryce Young, maybe he'll figure it out. Has shown some flashes here and there. But C.J. Stroud has completely turned around the Texans and how they view this season already by what he's done. And also just by the fact that as far as overachieving, he's taken the entire receiving core with him. That's Nico Collins being a legit number one. That's Robert Woods coming coming back to being a wide receiver too. And that's flashes of Tank Dell being something special. So all that ties in, I'm sorry, not Damian Pierce, sorry, but ultimately the rest of the Texans offense 
has been absolutely amazing so far to start the year. And it's because of CJ Stroud and that he's played like the number one overall pick. CJ Stroud had that streak, but when he had 177 uh, completions before he threw his first interception and that also bounced off, you know, receivers hands. That was that one wasn't all on him. He could very easily still have that streak going and challenge Kyler Murray for the all-time record in that regard. The fact that he's doing it with the Texans of all teams, I think makes it honestly that much more special just because the Texans have very, very, very rarely had the luck that they've had just with draft picks in general. Will Anderson is doing okay right now. Um, they drafted Tank Dell at the request of C.J. Stride. And Tank Dell, before he had the concussion, he had some pop-off games. He looks pretty pretty good. Robert Woods is more like the, the veteran presence in that locker room. But he caught a touchdown this past weekend. Robert Woods is not done playing football just yet. A lot of people wanted to write him off because he ended up in Houston. That just was not the case. And like you said, it all goes back to C.J. Stroud and the attitude that he's bringing to the Texans and the, his ability to play football. That defense has been playing well under the new head coach, D'Amico Ryans. The entire offense has been clicking. And now that they're getting their offensive line back healthy, a lot of people are forgetting that. Laramie Tunsil didn't play the first four games of the season. and He's still slowly coming back. They're on by this week. I wouldn't be surprised week eight on Damian Pierce is a top 24 running back. I know that's not saying that much because that just means he's a he's a running back too. So I get that. But compared to what he was doing, it would be a very nice step up, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would be buying stock in the Houston Texans if I had the ability to. I think they're going straight to the moon. And there's only one team, I think, that's hotter than the Houston Texans, and that's the Detroit Lions. And that's sort of running through their, I mean, right now, if you go to keep trade cut, he's the number one tight end ahead of Travis Kelsey, ahead of TJ Hawkinson, ahead of Mark Andrews. Do I believe that? That remains to be seen. But as of right now, Sam Laporta is the best tight end in all of fantasy football and he ended up going in the mid-second in almost every single rookie draft I had going into this season. I can't tell you how many times I drafted Dalton Kincaid over him and Michael Meyer over him. And I'm kicking myself in the ass every single day because of it. Sam Laporta looks like he's going to be one of the best tight ends in football for a very long time, Will. No, he definitely does. And he will be. And it's weird. To mentally think that the Lions are one of the top, you know, they're, five, they're tied for the best in the record league. in all the football right now. There are no so, undefeated teams. They're five and one, and the only game they lost was in overtime. They're one of the best teams in the league. Well, it's maddening. I know, especially for us because we've grown up in an area era where they finish last every year, except for like three, and we've seen an un a season where they literally did not win an entire game. Like that happened. In our lifetime, an NFL team did not win a game during a whole season. That happened. So to see them here now, it's great. It's a lot of fun. That team is a lot of fun to watch. And Sam Laporta is a great big reason. And he's kind of been carrying me after, you know, late David and Joku picks didn't work out. So I do thank him for that, holding my team together. But it's not all um, 
not all sunshine and rainbows with Detroit. Obviously, nope. you mentioned the injury to Montgomery, which should help because so far to this point, a lot of people were on the Jamar Gibbs uh, hype train. I tried to temper expectations a little bit, but overall, compared to where he was drafted, compared to what people were saying about him, not a great start to the career of Jamar Gibbs. Well, you got to say his name right if you're going to disrespect him like that. Jameer. Thank you. That's all I'm asking. If you're gonna if you're gonna say that somebody is underperforming, at least give him the respect he deserves by saying his name correctly. Well, I, I can't well, tell until you. Two weeks ago, I also thought it was Jamar Chase. So like there was a Jamar Jameer thing going. Okay, on. that's fine. Whatever, whatever floats the boat. Um, uh, I can relate because people at my office spell my name E R I K, even though I've been there over a year, and it's goddamn infuriating. Uh, it's not that difficult. It's a C. It's a C. Very, very, yeah, very that... simple. That's how you spell, like, Viking Eric, so you don't look like a Viking. Uh, yeah, you never know. If I let this grow out a little bit, you know, shave the head and put a hat on, you don't know. You don't know. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> you do know? Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Jameer Gibbs has been a colossal disappointment this year. Let's put it that way. And it's not because he hasn't played well. Whenever he has had the ball in his hands, he's been pretty goddamn good. The issue is that he just, quite frankly, never has the ball in his hands. The highest snap share that he's had over this season so far is 60%. He had 17 rushes in 80 yards against the Atlanta Falcons. The three games that he's been healthy for before that, he didn't crack 50%. He's caught some balls out of the backfield, which is nice. He had seven catches for 39 yards against Seattle, and he only has 14 receptions on the year, so half his receiving production came in that one game. Has yet to score a touchdown, but again, He's, he's been just fine. It's just a matter of getting him on the field. And the worst part about that, and I can say the same thing about Jamison Williams if we're putting those two together in sort of a disappointment sandwich, everything is working for the Detroit Lions right now. And if things are working, if it's not broke, don't, don't try to fix it. So unless something drastically changes, like, for example, this David Montgomery injury might force Jameer Gibbs into a more prolific role on the offense. We're going to see what he can really do. And if something were to happen to Josh Reynolds or Amon Ross St. Brown, we would be forced to see what Jamison Williams can do. Um, that's not the case in L.A., though, because an injury to Mike Williams doesn't do a goddamn thing for Quentin Johnston. And he's not on our original under-deliver list. Because he has fallen under the colossal disappointment list. Well, how to get on that list? It, it, it's very, very, very difficult. There was a bare, there, there was a very low bar that we have here on First Down Dynasty for people to actually be okay to say, okay, like you're a rookie, things happen, but Mike Williams got hurt. Coach Daly said that Quentin Johnson would see more reps and they didn't want to have to force him into the situation, but because of the atmosphere and what happened, they were forced to do it. Dude can't see the field. And I hate to give people credit where, where credit is due, but the co-host of lens crafters said that QJ would be the next Jalen Rager and goddamn, he he's on track to be right. We're only six games into his career. So I'm going to temper it a little bit, but he can't do a goddamn thing. Keenan Allen turned back the clock. He's one of the best receivers in football right now, and partially because nobody else on that offense, Josh Palmer included, 
can, can pull away and claim that second wide receiver spot left open by Mike Williams. But Johnston has been a colossal failure. Two targets, nothing. He's caught three catches on the year, Will. He's been nothing. You never want to say a guy's a failure six games in. But on that same note, if you are in this day and age a wide receiver that's drafted in the first round and you can't get on the field, that says a lot, especially with the way colleges are run now and how receivers are used. If you are believed to be a first-round talent as a wide receiver, you should be able to be on the field. If you're a second-round uh, pick as a wide receiver, you should be on the field. And you want to know the guys that aren't over the last few years? Guys like Denzel Mims. It does happen. Guys like Jalen Rager, who you mentioned from a few years ago. It does happen, but it's pretty obvious pretty early on, and that's the problem, is that if Quentin Johnson is already having these problems, the odds are we're going to keep having the same conversation. So he was taken probably pick six to eight in Dynasty this year. Not a not a great early vibe. And it's probably something where, like, you know, some guys are developmental. They take two or three years. Guys like this are not supposed to take two to three years. Guys like him are supposed to be effective immediately. And give, now he has an opportunity. And I know Trey Palmer is good. And I, I have him. But when you have a high draft pick like that, you're supposed to get the opportunity. If he can't beat out enough people to be on the field more, I don't, I don't know what's happening. Look at guys like Zay Flowers, Puka Nakua, Jordan Addison, even Tank Dell. Like these guys didn't. Most of those guys didn't have the draft capital QJ did, and they're doing just fine. Zay Flowers might be the best rookie wide receiver this year, depending on what Jordan Addison does in in lieu of the JJ injury, obviously. Because I I still think that Addison could end up being special because of that injury. But we'll we have yet to see what happens. Who knows? Right. Well, we want to, you're right, and it's different than Jackson Smith and Jigba because while he was the number one receiver, he went to a team that had two studs at wide receiver, similar to Johnson. But I really don't. There's like a. I don't doubt that if DK or if, especially more so Tyler Lockett missed time, that he would be able to fill in immediately. I mean, piggybacking on that. He's been able to be on the field. He had four catches for 50 yards or five, four, five catches for 40 yards. He had nine points. He's still finding ways to contribute. QJ isn't doing that at all. He's, he can no. even get onto the field. And last night when they lost to the Dallas Cowboys, he could have made a difference. They're without um, Quan, they're without who Diggs is the corner who's out for the year. Yeah, yeah. He they were they were playing with one corner, they were they were playing with, um, Gilmore, Stephon Gilmore, and that's it, and they still couldn't find a way to win. And part of that is gonna be on Quentin Johnson, although, it's the Chargers, and the Chargers will always find a way to lose games like that. More disappointments, you ask? Oh, we got them. We got them in spades, and two of them at the top of this list are the two running backs that I went with in a lot of leagues. In Ramondre Stevenson and Tony Pollard, and boy, oh boy, Tony Pollard, it might be a personal thing, but Ramondre Stevenson is bad. Mostly because the New England Patriots, and I'm going to say this with a big-ass smile on my face, Will, and it doesn't happen often that I smile and speak at the same time, so 
take it in. The New England Patriots are the worst team in the National Football League. Oh, it was so exciting to say. I was so happy just for a split second. It was so good. But my Ramondre Stevenson shares are suffering because of it. Yeah, definitely one of the worst. Um, as far as Pollard, he's still very, very solid. But I did say if they use him more as a traditional like number one running back, his actual production would suffer because I don't think he's built to take all those hits as the traditional star running back. I definitely think he was in a better position and it's not always a bad thing. Like I equate like to Alvin Kamara, but Alvin Kamara always had, you know, Mark Ingram or Latavius Murray running as the, you know, main downhill runner. I think Jamar Gibbs can be that Alvin Kamara role eventually with like a David Montgomery running the other way. And I think Tony Pollard fits into that. He is better as the one a one B back with someone being the in between the tackles, the downhill runner. And they don't have that right now. So that's where I think they are missing Zeke Elliott. But Zeke Elliott is taking in away touches from Ramondre Stevenson, oddly enough, which also, when your offense sucks and you're not on the field that much, losing touches hurts even more. So Ramondre Stevenson, not good in that respect. But Krevit, which is worse, Ramondre Stevenson losing touches to Zeke Elliott or Derrick Henry losing touches to a rookie running back? I mean, Tajay Spears came into the season and we, we were expecting him to have a, an impact immediately. Not like this. In real time, it sucks to say, we're seeing the downfall of King Henry. Stop the cow. Seriously, stop it. I don't want I don't want to see it. Do you want to see it? Like, Derrick Henry is one of the most prolific running backs of our time. We rode him. We picked him up in 2018 to win a championship. That that was the year of the mm-hmm. krill. That was the year of the krill. Derrick Henry. Is his- that... That was before he became Derrick Henry. We as we picked him, over him the up last in six years. We picked him up and started him. We picked him up the week of the Jacksonville game and were forced to start him, and that's where this ascent started. So we've been on the Derrick Henry line for as long as anybody has, and to watch his decline in real time is very sad. Um, last week he showed that he still can do it. It's not like he's you know. Old Yeller, we're going to take him, shoot him in the head in the back of the backyard in the shed. Like, we're not doing that to King Henry. We're not decapitating him. This isn't old school France. We're not in medieval times. Can, can someone trade for him and save him, please? Yeah, he's got he's to gotta make an impact somewhere else. Maybe the Buccaneers because Rashad White is not, you know, doing it. He's been a pretty big disappointment this year because Sean Vaughn is getting a lot more carries than he should at this stage in the season. Maybe he ends up, I don't know, maybe he can end up. No, go, go bold. Go bold? Go big? Buffalo. I was going to say Buffalo, but they're doing just fine. James Cook. I know. Is... Well, they did lose Damian Harris. Yeah, I mean, James Cook is pretty much playing exactly how people expected him to. He's running back 18 on the year. He's had some pretty nice games, a couple of bad ones. But he's sort of taken over as one of the main pieces in that offense. Although, for some stupid-ass reason, Latavius Murray started the game on Sunday night against the Giants. I don't understand it. I understand putting Latavius Murray in on your red zone and and, no. and your goal line packages. That I get. We, no, we don't get it. Give it to James Cook, damn it. Okay, okay. So, 
Will Will's opinions and 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 wants and needs aside, I understand why Latavius Murray is the guy at the goal line in the red zone. But to begin the game in between the twenties, there is no reason for James Cook not to be the guy. He catches the ball out of the backfield very well. He's by far the best runner you have on your team. Damian Harris, it's great that he's doing better. He has a neck injury. They had to bring a, a an, an ambulance out on the field to take him off. Thrilled that he's doing better. Thrilled that he's doing better. He shouldn't be on the field. Like Mario Chalmers in the fourth quarter of an NBA basketball contest, he should be nowhere near the football. Absolutely nowhere near the football at all. It should be James Cook in between the 20s, Latavius Murray spelling him, and on the goal line. That is the way it should be. He's doing fine as RB18. Alexander Madison is doing just fine at RB17. We're starting to talk about people who are actually meeting their expectations. Alexander Madison doing just fine. He's by far the best back in Minnesota, even though they brought in Cam Akers. And Cam Akers has done a grand total of jack shit. Finally, uh, they settled down on those fumble problems from the first few weeks. Yeah. It hasn't helped them, really, but no. they fixed that problem. They're, they're going to draft Drake May, and that's going to be a crazy team. Um, I want you to talk about the top guy on this list because I'm so happy. So happy I was right about him. So happy. Well, I still don't think you are. Uh, what do you mean? Se. What do you mean? I'm, I'm thrilled. Well, no, because I definitely think he's better than this. I definitely think that offense is just absolutely horrible. And I think the benefit of Jalen Warren is Jalen Warren – is a bit faster than Najee Harris. But that doesn't necessarily mean I think he's a, a better overall running back. But he fits this team better because their offense is atrocious. This is the kind of thing where you have a speed back and you have a, you know, a more power back. The power back doesn't really uh, get quite used as well with a lack of offensive line. A lack of quarterback predominantly is the reason. but. You know, for where a lot of people said he was, you could argue he's right in line. You could argue he's a little bit behind where people expected him to be. But I think a lot of people expected more out of the Steelers offense. They thought Pickett was going to take another step, and it just hasn't happened. Almost feel like, based on the, what the clips I have seen, based on what the numbers look like, he's kind of like Zach Wilson against Pittsburgh last year where he has like one or two good games where he has like a few big throws, but otherwise he kind of sucks. That's Kenny Pickett right now before Zach Wilson went off the deep end and completely screwed everything up last year. Not this year, but last year. I I definitely think it's just a lack of experience. And right now it's kind of, you're either going to get a lot better really quickly or he's going to get worse. And if he gets worse, and if you own anyone on the Steelers, that's going to be a big problem. I think he gets worse. I have no faith in Kenny Pickett. That offensive line has not been good. Deontay Johnson has been hurt, but even he hasn't been able to save Kenny Pickett. George Pickens had a really nice first few weeks. He's come back to earth. And I, I don't hide my disdain for Najee Harris. Um, He is Trent Richardson. There's no other way around it. He is the 45th ranked running back right now. He's only had one game over 10 points, three games with five points. He is just, he, he's a jag. He's just another guy. Uh, maybe the plantar fasciitis hasn't really healed yet. 
Maybe the offensive line did not improve as much as we'd have liked it to. Or maybe, Will, you're right, and that offense is just dog shit terrible. Well, well, you look at Pat Frymuth, people expecting him to have a season. He's done nothing. Now, he's been hurt a little bit, but he was doing nothing before that. Uh, and every other, Deontay's been hurt. Pickens has been okay. But even Jalen Warren has had okay games. But I, how many times has he cracked even 10 points? So that offense is just, it's not producing anything significant outside of George Pickens. He's the one guy that's been immune, but all the other guys that were drafted and people had expectations on them, no one in that offense is doing well. Not a single one. I mean, I expected that. I also expected uh, TJ Hawkinson to start to play really well. And I know we were talking about it earlier. He's really frustrating. He'll do nothing for 45 minutes. And for 15 of those 45, 15 minutes of that hour, he'll be incredible. And at the end of the day, it's about that bottom line, right? It's about how many points you finish with on a week-to-week basis. And TJ Hawkinson is a top three tight end. And especially now that uh, we don't have to worry about Justin Jefferson hogging some targets. uh, I think TJ Hawkinson could be somebody who uh, takes a big step for the next few weeks and ends up being a big powerhouse type player moving forward. Do you disagree? Are you there? Yeah. Okay. You were frozen. Oh, that's weird. Um, I hope you're right. I would like you to be right. I own him in several places. I would definitely like it if his average was closer to 16 than 11. But, you know, we'll see. That all depends on uh, Kirk Cousins and what he does the rest of the year because apparently he's not waving his no trade clause. So he will be there for the entire year. He will be there. Um, And there's a lot more going on in the second half of the year we're om- we're pretty much halfway through the fantasy season we're it's almost disgusting. halfway through the nfl season how quickly it goes mm-hmm. um and we though like for we obviously discussed overachievers underachievers for the first half based on what we've seen so far and private we mentioned the detroit lions i think jameson williams is due for a big second half as far as someone i expect to take another step with a lack of a more refined running game and a team that likes to pass anyway. I think with the weapons that you have that could cover the middle of the field and the possession guys, I think you're going to be able to see a lot of deep plays for a guy like Jameson Williams, the second half. I just don't think he's going to see the field enough. I think a lot of the issues with the Detroit lions in particular, they have guys with so much talent it's just not, not a. They just don't have enough. They don't have enough place to keep everybody on the field all at once. And I know he's coming back. He's making his way back from injury. I understand that. Um, he missed the first four games of the year. He was also suspended. His first game back against Carolina, he was on the field forty for forty-seven percent of the time. Only had three targets. Against Tampa Bay, twenty-three percent of the time he was on the field. Only saw three targets. He was able to make the most of them, caught two of those for 53 yards and a long touchdown, obviously. But Jamison Williams is going to be, maybe he might be one of the big boom bust guys over the next few weeks. He might be a worse Rashid Shahid. No, so I think that that definite, that snapshot, I think is going to go up, especially if they're not running as much. I think you're going to see him replace Josh Reynolds because I think you, if you could use him even as a decoy to stretch the field, you open up Amon Ra more, you open up Laporta more, 
I just think it, their offense is actually a better fit with them on the field together than I think a guy like Josh Reynolds or definitely a guy like Khalif or, um, you know, what is still walking around that used to be Marvin Jones. How dare uh, you? How I'm sorry, dare it's you? True, I know, but it's true. So I definitely think, though, the snap share will go up, and I definitely think, you know, along with that will be his production. And just his speed alone is going to create problems as he, you know, still works his way back in. And I think it's coming. I mean, I would love to be wrong, but we've seen with Dan Campbell, it's not really about the talent that you have on the team. It's doing what works. And right now what works is Jamison Williams seeing less than 50% of the snaps. Um, Somebody... At least one of the people I think is going to have a really big bounce back in the second half. It's already sort of started. And first and foremost, I, I, I love being right. Being right about players not playing well. I'm not terribly thrilled about it, but I'm, I'm, I'm a sore winner. I also love to be wrong. And I'm usually the first person to admit when I'm wrong. So with that being said... It is entirely possible that I was wrong about the future of Kyle Pitts. It's entirely possible. I don't know. I don't know. It's not impossible, but I could be wrong about Kyle Pitts because over the last four games, Kyle Pitts has seen nine targets, 11 targets, and six targets. He caught his first touchdown of the year last week against Washington. He has a game with 87 yards, and Desmond Ritter is starting to throw the ball. He and Drake London, who has also come on in a huge way over the past three weeks, a really, really, really big way in the past three weeks for Drake London, maybe Kyle Pitts ends up being a guy, especially in the second half of this you know, fantasy football season. Who knows? They have a little bit of a rough schedule. Tampa Bay, Tennessee coming up. But then they have Minnesota and Arizona. So those two will offset. And as long as Desmond Ritter is able to continue to take steps forward. And those steps forward are baby steps at best. Kyle Pitts can be somebody to help your team make the playoffs. And I almost threw up saying it. I don't like it's it. Gonna be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, we've been waiting for Kyle Pitts. His quarterback play has been pretty bad over the last few years overall. And yeah, all of a sudden Desmond Ritter is throwing for 300 yards and throwing more than 10 times a game. So they're not running it a lot, or at least as much anymore. Bijan owners are still looking for him to have, you know, a game where he's actually the guy because he always seems to have 10 carries for 65 yards and then like three catches for another 30 get pulled out of the red zone and every three games gets one chance and puts it in. So Bijan owners are frustrated. Kyle Pitts owners have been frustrated for three years and they're finally seeing some uh, rewards from that. Will it continue? I don't know because for two weeks, Johnny Smith was the tight end one and he's still being used and he still had a very good game this past week. I don't know. I'm, I'm just hoping Fine. overall their Fine. offense is much Fine. better. Um, in, in the vein of me eating shit and continuing to admit that I'm wrong, when I added this name to our Google sheet, Will literally laughed at me. He laughed at me. It was a huge guffaw. He called me names. It was not nice. There were no names. There, 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 I, 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 there, there were names. There, there, there it were was more there. like a passing scoff, like, ha, 
No, it, it was it was a hearty guffaw. It was a good chuckle. I, I don't think I remember it that way. <laughs> Mike Evans is going to have a really nice second half, and I hate to say it. I hate, hate, hate to say it. Chris Godwin is also going to have a nice second half. He's also had a nice first half. Chris Godwin is sort of the beacon of consistency, and I don't want to hear anything otherwise about it. But Mike Evans has been so good over the past few weeks, and I think as he continues to build a rapport with Baker, it's only going to get better for him, right? Like, he he, he has he, – he, they already had their bye. He has games of 20, 30, 19, and 11. His worst game is a 3-for-3 three three game for 40 yards. That was against the Saints. And we know that, Mar- that the Lattimore-Evans dynamic is real. Right, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna chalk that up to anything. He has three games with ten targets out of five. That's sixty percent of his games. He's already got ten targets, and I'm looking at the schedule moving forward for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They have a game against Buffalo. They have a game against the 49ers, and they have a game against New Orleans again. But other than that, it's a really soft schedule. Mike Evans could be somebody that if you're contending and if you're in a league with a Mike Evans owner that wants to get rid of him, he's 100% somebody that you can get for a second round pick and ride for to be a high wide receiver too for the rest of the year. It's crazy to me. And those of you who have been following our program for a long time know how much it hurts for me to say anything nice about Mike Evans. But I, I think this is the time to go out and... Pick up Mike Evans. Ugh. Ugh. Man, man's going for 10 straight years of 1,000 yards to start a career. Uh, very limited company. So just just saying, he's he's motivated. Uh, I think Jerry Judy is going to have a fantastic second half of the year. Just not with the Denver Broncos. I think he's going to get traded at the deadline to a wide receiver needy team. I do not know which team that is going to be. I just feel like he's going to go somewhere that needs him and he's going to get away from Russ and he's going to have a solid second half of the year. Off the top of my head, you know, with all the guys we talked about with injuries or inability, I got to believe the Chiefs have to be looking at any wide receiver option to put some other additional legitimate weapon with Patrick because Kelsey alone is not going to cut it come the playoffs. It's just not. So I definitely think Jerry Judy is going to be there. And obviously JT now with the contract, slow start now that he's been active. Zach Moss has still been a thing, which has been fantastic to see. But I think JT takes over the second half of the year again and becomes, you know, a top five running back. You don't buy into the Steve Smith stigma that Jerry Judy is just a guy that he's not going to be anybody to contribute on any team whatsoever. Did you not? Did did you see what happened with them? Yeah, no, I, I saw that. I definitely think uh, Judy may be using it as motivation. I don't think he's just a guy. I've never thought he was, like, absolutely fantastic. But I definitely think a lot of a few of these teams that need wide receivers do have good quarterbacks to, you know, make the best of him. And I definitely think if he does get traded, he's going to a quarterback that's much better than anything he's had in Denver. And he really hasn't had a whole lot. Their quarterback play in Denver is arguably as bad over the last five years as just about anywhere. Yeah. I can't argue that. Russell Wilson has been horrendous, and before that, who? Drew Locke. That's what I thought. 
Um, I think Hollywood Brown, Tutu Atwell, and Jerome Ford are going to take huge steps back in the second half of the year as Arizona continues to play barely mediocrely. Mediocrely? Mediocrely? They're not going to be very good. Mediocre or mediocrity? Mediocrity. You know, how about this? As they continue to wallow in their own mediocrity, that's what we're going to use. Um, I think that they're going to want to see what they have in Michael Wilson, in Rondell Moore, in Keontae Ingram, Amari DiMarcado. They're going to want to see a lot of the young guys because they're moving on from Josh Dobbs at the end of this year and probably moving on from Kyler Murray at the end of this year. I wouldn't be surprised if Hollywood Brown is traded at the trade deadline, and he's somebody that if you have him in a league, I would look to trade away. Tutu Atwell started out really well. This is not really a prediction. It's more of a no shit, it's going to happen. But, of course, when Cooper Cup comes back and Puka Nakua continues to produce, somebody's going to have to take the fall, and it's obviously going to be Tutu Atwell. And I mentioned it before with the Browns. Kareem Hunt sort of came on a little bit at the San Francisco 49ers game. So I think Jerome Ford starts to take a little bit of a step back. We might see more of a 60-40 compared to what we saw with a true Nick Chubb-Kareem Hunt split. Um, And Kravit, I'm going big name hunting for guys I don't expect Ooh, to have. Ooh, how about them apples? Big seasons in the second half. DeAndre Hopkins, um, that offense is not flowing well. He doesn't really have any other weapons to really challenge him so he's the sole focus of any passing defense but with you know the Tannehill injury wasn't great before if he misses any time Willis or Levis is not really going to hold up so he's going to have a rough second half the big one though is Christian McCaffrey I think this oblique injury is going to keep him out for a few weeks uh, through the bye and then when they come back I really think their focus is the playoffs so while he's still going to be very good and he's still going to put up numbers, I do think you're going to see the running backs rotated in a lot more than they have been the first half, like we thought was going to happen based on the coach speak. And then it did not. He was pretty much dominating almost all the touches in the backfield. I think after the bye and he comes back, you're going to see more of that plan for the second half just to make sure that he gets to the playoffs healthy. And I think that's what you're going to see in the second. You're forgetting somebody. Who's that? At the very end of your list, the last name on our spreadsheet for tonight, and we didn't end up talking about all these guys. We didn't oh, no, even... we, talked about, we talked about him already. No, 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 no. no, uh, no. I, I got to hear it again. I got to hear it again. Well, I'm switching him. Uh, oh, f- that's very rude. Will was going to talk about <laughs> Najee Harris and how he thought he was going to end up having a really bad second half. But I'm who, expanding it. I'm who's going to be the it guy? To the Steelers' offense. Okay, okay. Because we also talked about that. I really do not. Even if Deontay comes back, the Steelers' offense is bad, and I don't see it getting any better. They did just come off the bye, so we will see very quickly if any adjustments have been made. But I just I do not see any positives happening for the Steelers offense. And I'm a Jet fan. I've seen a lot of bad offense yeah, hey. the last few years. We're, our offense still isn't good, but we have flashes. We have moments. It, it, it's well, weird to weird. say. It's weird to say that we've got those, but we do. 
We didn't even talk about half the names we wanted to. We didn't talk about Michael Pittman playing well, Keenan Allen playing well, Jacoby Myers playing well, A.J. Dillon disappointing, Brandon Cooks disappointing, Jahan Dotson disappointing, Jalen Waddle not playing up to his potential. There are so many more things that we could have spoken about tonight, and all that stuff will be on X at FDD underscore ethos. And while you're there, let us know who you think is going to overperform and underperform over the next seven weeks in fantasy football. Week seven is the official halfway point to the playoffs. So we're right at that 50% mark. I'm really excited to see how poorly my teams will do. I know Will is looking forward so, so, so much to getting a chicken parm recipe up when he has to cater our redraft draft next year. Make sure to salt the chicken, Will, okay? Don't tell me how to cook it. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's all the time we got. Thanks for listening. Rate us fairly wherever you find us on Spotify, Apple Music, blah, blah, blah. We are part of the first Down Dynasty family here on the Sports Ethos Radio Network. He's Billy. I'm the crowd. We will see you next week right here on First Down Dynasty. Have a good night, everybody.